Hour number two of Overtime here, live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown here with you on a Thursday night. And we want to hear from you as well, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in. A lot to cover in this hour, including we'll have uh, Max Pennell, a guy that was on uh, Overtime with me last year, coming back uh, to the new year as well. He will return here next week, but he's calling in to talk about the Steelers and the Bills. And we'll also talk about uh, a possible situation with the Broncos. Russell Wilson, his time might not be uh, there much longer. But we begin with this, and it's Dan Lanning. He came out today saying that he is staying in Oregon. And uh, Oregon head coach Dan Lanning, who's been uh, the number one name floated around for this Alabama job, uh, he's now pulled out of the race. So the question is, what's next for Bama? Now, we've heard a couple reports today. Uh, Chris Lowe from ESPN, who broke the news yesterday that Saban was going to leave Bama and retire, uh, he said today on SiriusXM that uh, Kalen DeBoer from Washington and Mike Norvell are the two names to watch out for at the moment. And also that Lane Kiffin and Dabo Sweeney did not even get a call and will not be in the mix for this job either. So that was a kind of shocking uh, development in itself. So um, we'll do a couple questions here. First off, uh, the reaction to Dabo and Lane Kiffin not even being in the mix here. I'm shocked. I mean, we said yesterday we covered it a lot when we obviously broke the news that that Saban had chosen to retire. We brought up – I brought up Dabo. um, You brought up Kiffin as guys that we expected to be in the mix for the job. Dabo because of his playing history. Lane because of his coaching history under Nick Saban. Uh, to hear that they are not even getting a call uh, is probably the most surprising news, I think, of this entire coaching search. And then to hear, yes, DeBoer and Norvell are excellent coaches in their own right, uh, but I almost would give Dabo and Kiffin a call first, I think, in this case. Um, and I think the other thing, and it, it talks about this a little bit more in what Chris Lowe said on, on Tuscaloosa Sports Radio today, uh, there were three more names uh, that he brought up that were in the mix while Kiffin and Dabo were not. Uh, Tommy Reese is one he said he's, they would probably interview, uh, as well as Mike Loxley was a second name. The third one was so weird to me that he even brought this up. He said they'll reach out to D'Amico Ryans, yeah. which is so weird. I, I don't see him leaving Houston, and to see him over the two guys you know you probably could get that would probably say yes to the job, I don't, I don't know. It's weird to me. Yeah, I mean – Specifically for Lane Kiffin, why don't you reach out to him? Like you said, his his coaching uh, just going around the country is uh, pretty untouched resume-wise. I mean, he's been successful everywhere, whether it be calling the plays or being at the helm. I mean, I get he's established at Ole Miss, and, you know, that's always been some sort of a rivalry because, you know, you'd get those random Ole Miss teams that would knock off the tide and – Kiffin hasn't done that yet. Maybe that's a primary goal for him, but not reaching out to him is kind of crazy to me just because Saban was, you know, his head coach for several years. Um, You know, Dabo I understand just because, I mean, I'm still surprised that he hasn't retired since he said – once I start paying players, he's going to retire. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, he really hasn't been successful since that kind of turned over uh, for Clemson-level, you know, success. So, I mean, yeah, I think DeBoer's probably the guy that you really want to go after heavy. Uh, Norvell, eh, he just got to FSU, so, I mean, maybe not the best time to go after him. Uh, but, yeah, just why not Kiffin? Yeah, so – I think it's interesting that Kiffin is not even being considered for it. I'm not surprised about Dabo. 
Um, as I mentioned yesterday, I think Dabo has already kind of solidified himself at Clemson and doesn't really want to get into the waters of the SEC, especially with how how, how he struggled adapting to the new age of college football with NIL and Transfer Portal. I don't know if necessarily that's something Bama wants to take on and have to kind of teach, I guess, in a sense, because, uh, I mean, Dabo's been very outspoken. He does not like NIL and Transfer Portal. That's that's how you got to win now. So I, I don't, I'm not surprised about that. I am surprised a little bit about Kiffin not even getting a call or an interview. That is a little weird. Um, Dawson, you mentioned D'Amico Ryan's. And uh, he's a name that was floated around last night that I heard uh, a couple of my friends brought him up as well. And I, I thought it was uh, ridiculous, too. Uh, D'Amico Ryans has a, a, starting, a future star at quarterback in C.J. Stroud and has his team in the playoffs in one season. You know how hard that is to do in the NFL? Why the hell would you get up and leave after doing that? Um, I, I, that was beyond me. I, it, I don't understand why he would do that. Um, because he's never really dipped his toe into the college football world and in terms of coaching at a high level. Um, and he's been at the NFL level for a while. He understands and has done well. I, I don't really understand why he would leave. So D'Amico Ryans was a little bit of a questionable uh, uh, option, I, I thought. Um, so now what we know of who is available and who they're looking at, uh, who do you guys think is the best option to replace Saban? It's probably Norvell or DeBoer. Uh, I still, I still think it's Kiffin. Um, but obviously, if they're not going after him, then that doesn't, you know, it, that's not an option anymore. It's probably, it's probably Norvell or, or DeBoer. I think Sarkeesian is an option. I don't think he's going to go anywhere with Texas moving into the SEC in 2024. That's a lateral move. He's not going to be really going anywhere bigger going to Alabama, I don't think. I mean, because Texas is a brand in itself. And especially now that Quinn Ewers has announced he's going to spend one more year with the Longhorns, what yeah. a huge development for them in their first year in the Southeastern Conference. So Sark I don't see moving. Norvell I don't really see moving. I really don't even see DeBoer going anywhere. And then if DeBoer were to say no, I mean, who do you, you who do you look at? I mean, you have to look at Kiffin then, right? Yeah. You don't have much option after that. Yeah, I mean, I think one guy that hasn't really been brought up, I don't think he will go if he if it does come up that way, is James Franklin out of Penn State. I mean, uh, you know, he had some success at Vanderbilt, and, I mean, he's topped out at 10-2 and two and, you know, in the, in the Big Ten. And, I mean, I don't really see him getting any better than 10-2 and two as long as Ohio State and Michigan are staying there forever. So, I mean – he gets a fresh start at Alabama. Uh, we've seen what he can, what he has the potential to do. I mean, he does good recruiting. It's just if he gets to that uh, base where, I mean, money's going to be a little bit more, you're going to have more, I guess, opportunities down there to grow, uh, keep that brand as big as it is. Uh, that could be an option, but as of everybody available right now, I still think DeBoer uh, is kind of your want-to-go-to guy because, like you said, Sarkeesian's not going to leave, uh, especially with uh, all the recruiting that he's done and has built up uh, what's coming in there and not much is leaving. I think he's going to stay. Uh, I still think DeBoer's probably your man. Yeah, uh, Kalen DeBoer would be my option as well. Um, 104 and 21 as a head coach, 25 and three during his time at Washington. Now you may say, well, well, William, he inherited a great program and great inherited a great team, but uh, you know, going 25 and three in college football is not easy, and, and especially at Washington, where they haven't been in the college football playoffs since what 2015, 2016, whatever 16, that was, yeah, yeah. something yeah. like that. And getting them back to that, getting them back to that spot with a transfer quarterback that he brought in. 
um, I, I think in itself is an achievement. I think DeBoer has shown so far in, in his time with Washington that he can win at a high level, even at a disadvantage a little bit, being in the Pac-12. Um, and I, I think he'd be a great hire. Uh, Mike Norvell's another guy that I think they should give a hire, uh, give a look at as well. Um, I think Norvell, what he's done at Florida State, has been really good. Um, he's a guy that knows how to work the transfer portal. His whole offense this year was built through the portal, and and that's how you win in 2024 college football. Uh, you know, Jordan Travis, a transfer from Louisville. Uh, Trey Benson, a transfer from Oregon. Johnny Wilson from Arizona State. Keon Coleman, a guy that was playing basketball for Michigan State two years ago. They built that team and, and pieced that team together through the portal. And I think he understands that well. He did a great job in Memphis as well. Um, I, I think every place he's been, he's had success, and I think he could do the same at Alabama. Now, Jace, yesterday you were not here with us. Mm-hmm. want to give you an opportunity to give your reaction to Saban's uh, retirement, and then we'll hit the phones after. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, what more could you expect from just a random Wednesday afternoon in yeah. January? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you talk about a bombshell between that, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick this morning. It's just like a never-ending cascade of that stuff going down. I mean, uh, you know, growing up, I mean, the only teams that you would face against Alabama were going to be coached under Saban, so you know what kind of product you were going up against. And, again, it wasn't just playing Alabama. You're playing Alabama with Nick Saban, and I think that just speaks to what kind of his legacy is going to be. I think his impact on the college football game is uh, greater than anybody maybe ever. Uh, I I think he's – above and beyond the greatest football coach ever. Uh, you know, my biggest question now is, like we just hit on, what's the Bama landscape going to be looking at in these coming years? I mean, no really solidified head coaching options. Everything is still up in the air there. Uh, you know, they had a big-time five-star recruit decommit yesterday. So, I mean, some uh, things are falling through with that. Not sure how much f- further that will go. Uh, but, you know, for the people in this area, it's, a, it's probably a good day. Uh, but, I mean – it's history, folks. Like yeah. it's like we're never going to see something like that again. No, and as uh, Tucker Tucker Harlan, who works here at Fox with us, uh, said yesterday, it's a "Where were you?" moment. You know, where were you when this happened? And um, I, I think that's very true and telling. And right. uh, let's hit the phones: eight six five five four six eight two zero zero. Your number if you want to hop in and be a part of our Thursday night edition of Overtime. We've got Rain on the phone. What up, Rain? Hey, uh, how are y'all? I, I know y'all were just talking about uh, college football, but um, I'm a big Cowboys fan, and, you know, I'm thinking about this game we're playing this Sunday, and, uh, you know, we're seven-point favorites, um, but, you know, we've been dominant at home, especially against teams that aren't, you know, uh, elite. We've had two close ones versus Seattle and Detroit, but, um, you know, Seattle, we still put up 41 points. And I'm just looking at Green Bay, especially, you know, with the defense that struggled all year, you know, you look at their last couple games, I mean, they lost to Tommy DeVito, they lost to Baker, uh, they barely beat Bryce Young on the road, uh, they beat Jaron Hall, and then they struggled at home uh, against the Bears with Justin Fields. Am I, am I missing something here with, you know, them traveling uh, to AT&T where, you know, we've just been great all year, uh, and this is the best quarterback they've played in, you know, a few months. Quite frankly, he's the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, um, I feel like this should be a slaughter. I wanted to hear what y'all thought. Yeah, well, um, a lot of truth there until you uh, kind of stu- stumbled on the uh, best quarterback in the NFL at the end there. But um, let's see. I-, I think you're not missing anything. I-, I think that the Green Bay defense is not good, and we've seen that throughout the season. Now, uh, Jahir Alexander is now 
uh, sounds like he got hurt in practice today. That's a huge hit for them um, with him out, and that's one of their best defenders. So uh, that in itself is another big hit for them, and they're not already uh, – they've already got a struggling unit. So, um, yeah, playing at home is huge. Cowboys have won, what, 15 straight games dating back to last year at home. Uh, so th- they're they're a totally different team at home, and it's a lot of home cooking. And I think a, a product of that is Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, who has – I will say, I know I'll give you a little stray there. Dak Prescott has had an incredible season. I don't think he's the best quarterback this year, but Dak Prescott has totally flipped the script from last season, turned down all the haters that said he was a turnover machine. He's been great, so I'll give you that. Um but I don't think you're missing anything here. I think this should be a pretty convincing win against the against the Packers, who, as you mentioned, a team that's struggled against some inferior quarterback play. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Jaron Hall, and and Bryce Young, the midget. Um, I, I think you you are totally right on that, and um, I don't think you're missing anything here, guys. What do you say? Oh, I, I I agree. I don't. This is not should not be a game. I know. Uh, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan, I'm sure you want to look back at the the Jared Cook game, the Des Bryant game, and say, "Well, we got these scars <laughs> from the past yeah. in games that we maybe should have won." But uh, no, this is this is not those games. This yeah. is this is going to be a pretty pretty easy win for the for Dallas. I would think. yeah, it it should not be uh, much to think about or like mull over if you're like a Cowboys fan just from the year that they've had. I mean, twelve and five, uh, you come out with the NFC East with that Eagles team that started off ten and one. I mean, that's nothing to be shy about uh and i mean this packers team is not great the only thing that i would be worried about is just that it is the dallas cowboys in the playoffs i mean they haven't been really successful there in what 25 plus years i mean that's really the only thing that you can hang your hat on about not being confident about is it being dallas in the playoffs yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I just think that you know a lot of these people on you know TV probably because you know the Cowboys, like you said, they haven't had a, a great history over the past twenty five years in the playoffs. But I think we're getting caught caught up way too much with that part. Besides just looking at this year and, and realizing that you know Dallas has been uh, the best team at home, and they're playing a team that you know if this was like a Week Ten game or something, you're thinking. All right, you know, like when can I turn the TV off at halftime or third quarter? Because the <laughs> yeah. Cowboys, you know, are just going to blow them out. Yeah. So, um, you know, I obviously get, you know, that it's a playoff game. So, you know, those games are obviously going to be tougher. But I just think with the defense, like Green Bay's, that you know, Bryce Young scored thirty points on this defense. Yeah, um, I- I'm just thinking, you know, with Dak and how good he's playing and the connection he's really, you know, built with CD, CD this year and CD taking that next uh, next step. I just, um, you know, if Dallas can get off to a good start and put points up on the board, I really, I really find a hard way to see that Jordan Love and them are going to be able to keep up with us. Yeah, thank you so much for your call, Rain. I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, I think this is a a, a Packers team that has kind of made it to the playoffs due to the fact that they've gotten their offense rolling in the second half of the season. I think really the coming out party was that Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions, and the Lions have their own issues, but I think that was kind of that first step of kind of getting some momentum. But the Packers defense hasn't been good all year, and I don't see how this Cowboys offense is going to be able to be stopped by that. And on the other side of the ball, the, the Cowboys have a lot of really good veteran defenders. I, I smell a matchup for an, a, a tough matchup for an inexperienced uh, Packers offense. Now, uh, let's get Chris on the line. Uh, how are you, Chris? What a day yesterday was. <laughs> what a day, yes. It's like it came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, he's older, he's 72, but it's not like it's, you know, they've been, you know, going 9 and 3, 8 and 4 
slowly declining. Yeah. Know, they were just crazy. What a day to be a fan of anybody other than Alabama. <laughs> Especially an SEC fan that has to face them a bunch. Oh, yeah. Think about the burnings in the trailer parks last night. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they uh, they rolled uh, Tumor's, or Tumor's Corner last night at Auburn in, in celebration as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, would you, I mean, Tennessee and Auburn are the two teams that benefit the most from this. Yeah. We just kind of stink. I mean, obviously, I'm glad they retired, but we're finally not going to have to play them every year. And then he retires. Why couldn't this have happened six years ago? Yeah. Um, well, I think that uh, his legacy and his greatness will be something that no one will ever forget. You never oh, question him. It's, it's, it's like John Wooden in basketball. Yeah. Right. I don't see it ever being topped. Yeah. Well, I mean, every time you, you faced him on Saturday, whether you cheered for him or rooted against him, you never questioned how good he was. And I think one of the best things about him is his in-game adjustments – that were always on display, and even in the Rose Bowl, you know, his most recent and last game, they got manhandled in that first half, and then boom, they come out in the second half and look like a totally different team and flip the script. I think that just speaks volumes to his knowledge and how how much of a professional he was. And, you know, he never had any scandals or any real problems during his time at Alabama. I think he's a stand-up guy, and I think the college football world will, will severely miss him, but as a uh, Tennessee fan, SEC fans. Now we are uh, welcoming with open arms his retirement. <laughs> Absolutely, as much as you can't stand them, you have to respect the hell. Yes, out of yeah. But uh, you know, they're talking about you know Dan Lanning turned it down. Norvell pulled out a tweet tonight. I mean, now that it's expanded to twelve, if I'm Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, well, you have opportunities to win in Oregon. Yeah. You have the great opportunity to win it all, and you don't have to deal with that. You go 10-2 and two at Bama next two or three years, they want to fire you. Yeah. Well, that's something we talked about yesterday was, you know, the Alabama job is a, a very good job. Like, everyone wants to be the coach at Alabama. But at the same time, following up the act of Nick Saban is probably the worst job in America because you could exactly. go 9-3 and three next year, and they're trying to get your ass out of there, you know? Yeah. And You want to be the guy after the guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's what Dawson said yesterday, yeah. Um, and I think you, you, you make a great point. You know, the 12-team playoff coming in gives a lot of opportunities for a, a lot of teams. And, um, you know, a team like Oregon very well could have made it this year if they had not lost to – I mean, even if they had lost to Washington, uh, they very well could have made the playoff. And uh, like Sarkeesian at Texas, uh, Dawson alluded to it earlier, making a lateral move if he goes to Bama because Texas is as big of a – Texas for Alabama. Yeah, no, 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 no. Him. Yeah. You know, you're following Mike Shula, maybe. Yeah. Following the GOAT? Yeah. Absolutely not. Because no. those standards have been so I – th- I saw it today, and, like, if you, if you remove year one when he was first year, in 16 seasons he lost 23 games. Yeah. Think about that. Incredible. Yeah, he had – I mean, uh, that, He had more first-round picks. I think he had 44 or 48, one of those – 44 to 48 first-round picks to 23 losses during his time. That's crazy. Man. I mean, you talk about impossible. I mean, that one just will never, especially now the transfer portal, because people are not going to wait around for two or three years. You're not going to have to get these forever. You got 25 stars winning the turn. That's just not going to happen anymore. So yeah. His legacy will never, never, I don't even think it will be. 
No, I, I agree. I don't. I don't think it'll ever be touched. And uh, Chris, thank you so much for calling. Unfortunately, uh, we got to hit a quick break. But um, as you said, you know, uh, an untouchable resume, and what a time that it was to be alive to at least experience the greatness of Nick Saban. And uh, when we come back, Max Pennell will join us to talk about the Steelers and Bills this upcoming weekend. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. We make it easy to save money. Get access to thousands of discounts on shopping, dining, and travel with the CNB Plus Perks account. It's a powerful new way to save money with roadside assistance, cell phone protection, identity theft protection, and credit monitoring. Banking at CNB has its perks. Call or stop by a branch for more details. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in within Word Half. White Claw delivers a wave of pure refreshment and a variety of flavors. From the originals like black cherry and mango to new flavors like passion fruit and blackberry. Crafted using our unique brew pure process, White Claw delivers a crisp taste with only 100 calories, 5% alcohol, and only 2 grams of carbs. Check out your favorite retailer in store or online for White Claw variety packs, single flavor packs, and 16 ounce single serve cans. White Claw Hard Seltzer. Please drink responsibly. Segment number two of our number two here on Overtime on a Thursday night, and we've got Max Pennell joining us uh, to talk about the Steelers and Bills this weekend. Can the Steelers upset the Bills? What's up, Max? How y'all doing? Doing well, man. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, y'all been doing great this week. Thank you. We appreciate it. So, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Buffalo to take on the Bills in the wild card round on Sunday. Uh, a winter storm will have an effect on yet another playoff game, as expected to be cold, snowy, and windy on game day. And I'll begin with this question, guys. Do the harsh weather conditions play into the Steelers' hands against a red-hot Bills team? For me, no. Uh, or for me, yeah, they don't benefit. I mean, if this game is in Pittsburgh, I think they do. 
since it's in Buffalo, Buffalo's played in this before. Josh Allen has played in weather like this before in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they they benefit from it, um, and especially since you, you got some QB changes over the year for Pittsburgh, you don't have a constant, so I don't think that helps either. Um, certainly going to be a struggle for, for Mason Rudolph in the offense in weather like that. We've seen that in the past before. I think it'll be a struggle for them again at Buffalo. Yeah, I do think Bills still do have the upper hand, like you said, at home in the bad weather. is definitely the place you want to be if you are going to be uh, in the bad weather. Uh, like you said, Dawson, Mason Rudolph at the helm doesn't help their case either. Even though he has shown some bright spots over these last uh, few weeks, uh, hadn't really played too much since 2019 when he had to take over. But, uh, you know, Buffalo at home, again, is an advantage. They didn't play that well in the snow last year against the Bengals, got upset at home. Uh, so, you know, even though I do expect it to be a close game, uh, Bill's going to take it uh, thanks to a heavy dose of running the ball too. Max, what about you? I, I do think the Steelers benefit from this. Um, I think they're more willing to run the football than Buffalo is just because of who's playing quarterback in these situations and also – you know, Mason Rudolph last week and basically a monsoon set the Steelers' uh, franchise record for completion percentage, so I don't think the weather really faces him either. Um, so I, I just think, you know, Najee Harris, 26-plus carries the last two weeks, and that's really been the engine for this offense. I think, you know, if the Steelers are looking at a game where, hey, everybody's going to run the ball 30-plus times, I do think it benefits them, considering they do have a much better run defense as well. Yeah, that, that's actually why I want to talk about it, because last week, very poor weather conditions in Baltimore, and Najee Harris had one of his best games of his of the, of the season. And when you know the wind and the the cold and the snow, all that kind of mixes into one that usually results in trying to get the ball, uh, you know, running in or get the get the offense running through the run. And uh, I think that they have a an opportunity there to do the do the same thing they did last week against the Ravens. And um, I I also think the Steelers, as you mentioned, have a better de- run defense and uh, a lot more healthy run defense. Now, obviously, we'll talk about T.J. Watt here in a minute, but um, I I think this kind of plays in the Steelers' play style because it's kind of a gritty game, the bad weather. We've seen the Steelers win some of these games this year. Early in the season, the the narrative with this team was you kind of were wondering how they won the game. They were getting out-yarded. They were kind of getting a a second chance in the second half due to a turnover or, or, or something like that, and I kind of feel... Like, it's going to be similar in this game. Like, it's going to be bad weather, two teams trying to run the ball, and if Josh Allen makes a turnover or the Bills stall out offensively, I think the Steelers could definitely take advantage of the poor playing conditions and and change of play style. Um, So, the Steelers come into the playoffs riding a three-game win streak with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And, Max, I wanted to ask you, uh, what did the Steelers gain with Rudolph under center? You know, um, I feel like Mason Rudolph, like they mentioned, you know, real first action since 2019. Um, I don't think anyone in Pittsburgh or Steelers fans alike expected this. Um, I mean, everyone knew it couldn't be worse than Mitch Trubisky, uh, the way he was playing. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just to contrast him with Kenny Pickett, first off, Mason Rudolph, much liver arm. I mean, we've seen that. He has, in three starts, he's second in the NFL and, touchdowns of 50-plus yards or more thrown. Um, he's basically getting one a week, and that coincides with the run game being better. Defenses are having to load the box a little more, and Mason can actually make them pay for it as opposed to Kenny Pickett, um, who lacked the arm strength to do that and the accuracy. 
And I think the big thing that they've gotten out of him is the willingness to stand in the pocket. Um, Kenny Pickett's probably biggest downfall has been way too quick to bail from pockets, um, you know, takes away half the field basically by scrolling to one side. Mason Rudolph, for better or for worse, will stand in there and wait until the last second to, to deliver the ball, allowing deeper concepts to, to get open. And with guys like Pickens, you know, that, that's really all you need for him is give him a 50-50 ball and he'll do the rest. Yeah, I think Rudolph's success also questions why it took so long for Rudolph to get the chance because the former Nickelodeon valuable player, Mitch Trubisky, uh, was not getting it done. And um, that Colts game was ugly. And even when the Steelers still had an opportunity to kind of stay in that game, they still didn't turn to Rudolph. And or I guess late, very late in that game they did, but when it mattered, they did not. And I think they made a mistake, at least in that regular season, uh, not putting Rudolph in a situation earlier. Um, but now it's the playoffs, everyone's 0-0. Zero and zero, And I think Rudolph does give the Steelers a, a lot better chance than Trubisky, and obviously that's been shown over these last three games. Um, I just think my biggest question, and, and we move into the next question right here, is do we think Mason Rudolph is ready for that playoff moment? This is a very tough environment. Um, not a lot of people can come in here and win games. We saw the Dallas Cowboys look like idiots a couple weeks ago when they came into Buffalo. And you mount the the playing on the road against a really good defensive mind, Sean McDermott, and the, the weather conditions as well. I know we talked about running the ball more, but in terms of Mason Rudolph, do we think he's ready for this moment? Dawson, we'll begin with you. I, I think he could be. Uh, I, I think it's hard to say whether or not he is. I think he's probably the surest bet they have right uh, on their roster right now. Um, he provides a sure arm, like like Max talked about. He, he's, you know, like I said, a little bit more sure-handed quarterback, perhaps, than if you go with a, a Kenny Pickett or a Mitch Trubisky. Uh, he needs a defining moment. This could certainly be it um, for for Mason Rudolph. Uh, you carry momentum in. He's been throwing the ball really well over the past couple of weeks. So you come into this game where, especially, you can take some of the pressure off of of your own shoulders. You can hand the ball to Najee Harris. You need to run the ball a lot in this kind of environment. So it takes a lot of pressure off of him. I think. Rather other than if this game was in just normal dry conditions. Um, his lack of expl- uh, playoff experience hurts a little bit. Um, th- that's where I almost give the edge to Trubisky. He's been there before, whether or not you know you count that run with the Bears. Um, but he has been there. But I think he's, he's in a spot where he could really succeed this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he does give them the best shot to pull out a win, uh, especially, like you said, William, these last few weeks uh, making that playoff push. He has uh, been – Stellar in their eyes this year, uh, and you know Najee Harris has been stepping up a little bit too. We've seen some of his better performances these last few weeks. Uh, again, over these last few weeks, he's been able to put together the necessary plays. Uh, but you know this is his playoff debut start here, uh, and against on the road again against a Buffalo squad and Josh Allen. I'm just not sure if I can see him pulling it out. Max, what about you? Yeah, you know, I mean, you guys laid it out. It's a tough task. Um, to, to say, talk about his preparedness for this, um, you know, with the, the Steelers' season, the way it played out, basically the last three games have been playoff games for them, um, for all intents and purposes. Last week, you know, terrible weather, game they had to have, found a way to, to pull it off. The week before in Seattle, two teams that was basically an elimination game um, in one of the toughest environments in the NFL, found a way to win it. Not saying those are as difficult as Buffalo in January, but I do think because of what the Steelers needed to do, probably a little better equipped than if he had just started a, a random batch of three regular season games this year. 
Yeah, I think you make a good point because the Steelers, I mean, had to win these games and their back was against the wall and they were able to deliver and, and Rudolph was able to deliver as well. So um, I, I think he's shown over these three games that he's equipped for it and ready for the moment. And obviously, as Max said, there's no way to really prepare for a playoff game in Buffalo in cold weather. But um, I think he's at least done his best act to try and, and show that over the last couple of weeks. So um, I, I think he's more than capable. And also, He's a guy that's been in this organization for a while. It's not like they just signed him off the street a couple weeks ago and threw him in at quarterback like a Joe Flacco. Uh, Rudolph's been around for a while. He knows the offense, understands it. Um, even though you know they got rid of Canada, uh, you know he still understands what it's like to be a Steeler, what it's like to be in that locker room. I think the guys trust him, um, so I think he's definitely ready for the moment. Um, now, Max, T.J. Watt, no T.J. Watt this week. That's a huge miss for them. Uh, will the Steelers be able to maintain a consistent pressure against a pretty good offensive line without him? Um, you know that, that's the big question. Everyone knows the Steelers record without T.J. Watt. Um, I will say the the depth behind him this year is far better than anything the Steelers have had before behind Watt. Um, you know, it's basically glorified practice squad guys in previous years. So they made a much bigger investment this season to have depth at the position. I think the pass rush can still be steady. And regardless of Watt was in there or not, that Bills O-line I think has given up the fewest or one of the fewest amount of sacks in the NFL. So I, I think that's a challenge regardless, but I do think they have the guys behind him. No one's going to be T.J. Watt, but they do have the talent behind him that uh, can at least alleviate the pain of missing T.J. Watt a lot more than years past. Dawson? It's going to be extremely hard, right? I mean, you'll, you're always going to miss a guy like T.J. Watt. Just the, the dominant force that he is and the pressure that he can present by himself, let alone the guys next to him on the line. But by himself, what a, what a presence he is and, and what a miss he's going to be for them in that game. What gets to me is you mentioned that Buffalo allows very few sacks. Um, for Pittsburgh, the next best sack leader behind T.J. Watt is Alex Highsmith with seven. And that's an okay number, but when you compare it to T.J. Watt's 19 on the season, obviously you're going to be missing that production. And behind that, it's Marcus Golden with four. I mean, they just don't have the numbers. I think they can still get pressure. It's just converting on that pressure because we know Josh Allen, he can roll out and make a play. You can get in his face all you want. He can still run the ball, make a play. He can still get out and toss the ball to somebody, make a play. Um, so you can get all the pressure you want. You have to convert on that pressure. I, I'm just not sure they have the guys to do it. Yeah, T.J. Watt, like speaking of those other guys behind him, he took a lot of pressure off of those other guys in itself because you know 19 sacks is happening for a reason I mean he's one of the best players in the league and you know even with all the attention he's getting he's still making those plays so uh definitely gonna we've seen Alex Highsmith he's been flying around that defense seven sacks goes along with just a great season from him overall uh Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Hayward have both been pretty good up front not nearly the numbers that you would think that they would get uh Maybe a little bit of edge for that defense might be uh, the unknown status right now still of Deion Dawkins. I mean, he had that big, big laceration on his hand uh, in the last game. So if they're without him, that's a big hit for that O-line. Uh, again, as a O-line as a whole, only like first or second in sacks allowed uh, at the bottom end of that. So uh, probably not too much success for them. Yeah, Nick, I, I, Nick Herbig is a name I'll throw out there. Not many people are going to know who that is. Uh, fourth-round rookie out of Wisconsin, other Steelers outside linebacker out of Wisconsin. About three sacks and only 100 defensive snaps this year and had a huge strip sack two weeks ago. I would keep an eye on him as a guy who could make a huge play backing up T.J. Watt. 
Yeah, I think the, the, the tallest task here is containing Josh Allen. Obviously, he's going to have his big plays. He's going to be able to make those plays that no one else in the NFL can. But I think it's more so containing him and getting a consistent enough pressure to where he's not able to just do whatever he wants. You know, um, So without T.J. Watt, they're going to have to have guys step up, and Max just mentioned one that can. Um, so I think it's just going to have to be a, a group effort, not just one guy. Everyone's going to have to be applying pressure and just – if they're not getting sacks, just contain the guy, right? The sacks are the flashy way to you know get stops, but just contain him to where he's not rolling out and making these big plays that extend drives. Do you also yeah, want to say something? To me, it's more you just like you said you have to you have to force him to make quick plays. I think you can't let the play develop so that he can make big plays. If you can force him to make little quick tosses, little quick plays, and you can keep the secondary's pressure off as well because, I mean, the second he rolls out of the pocket and he's got forever to throw, you're putting so much pressure on your secondary with the weapons that Buffalo has and, and the, the threat that Josh Allen presents. So, like you said, if you can contain him and make him throw the ball quickly, make him run the ball quickly, uh, I think it presents you an advantage as well. Yeah, and, and a Steelers secondary that hasn't been particularly great all no. season. Uh, uh, Max, is that word to you at all, the, the secondary against uh, you know, Josh Allen? Uh, I mean, they, they've had their blemishes. It'll be the healthiest it's been all year, if you can believe that. Uh, this coming week, Minka Fitzpatrick has been out the last yeah. three games. They've still found a way to win in spite of them with, you know, guys coming off the couch. Patrick Peterson playing safety for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, now he'll be able to go back to cornerback. And Joey Porter Jr., the uh, rookie cornerback for the Steelers that they got for Chase Claypool, which was highway robbery. Yeah. Um, he, he's been as good as, as you could ask for from him. I think the, the thing that would worry me is linebackers have been a huge, or excuse me, tight ends have been a huge bugaboo for the Steelers. They're down to their backup. I mean, Miles Jack came out of retirement a month ago and yeah. is starting for the Steelers at linebackers. So Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox against the Steelers linebackers, I think is a bigger matchup advantage for Buffalo than maybe the secondary with how healthy it is now. Okay, good point there. Um, so, Max, your confidence level as a Steelers fan going into this weekend? To win? Well, well, I mean, I, I, that's the goal, so yes, I, I'd say to win. Uh, I'll say 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, wow, I, okay. I, wow. I think there's a uh, – the matchup is – a lot of the narrative around it, I feel like, has been predicated on trends that aren't necessarily accurate to the Steelers team that they've been the last three weeks, which – with Mason Rudolph, that's what you have to judge them on, and it's been a totally different offense um, with him under center and poor conditions playing into their favor. And really, Buffalo, I mean, they, they had one-score victories over the, a bad Chargers team led by yeah. Ethan Stick and a Patriots team in Buffalo led by Bailey Zappi. Um, I think if the same mistakes they've made in those types of games, even last week against Miami, occur again this week, I, I, I think the Steelers would be primed to win. Yeah, one of the things I've said about the Bills all year is I feel like they play down to their opponent's level. And the Steelers are probably the worst team to do that to with the ways they've won a couple of these games this year. They've been outplayed. They've been down in the fourth quarter, but they find a way to win, especially early in the year. And uh, if you keep the Steelers team around, they're playing with house money. They're on the road with a you know backup quarterback, third string quarterback. If you really wanted to say, um, you know, this could be a, a bad matchup for the Bills if they're keeping the Steelers around late in this game. So um, I, if if that were to happen, I could definitely see that side there, Max. Uh, what was the score prediction you gave out earlier on Twitter? Twenty to seventeen. Steelers are uh, 
like you said, they're nine and two in one score games this year. Nine of their ten wins. So yeah. not easy on the uh, nerves. Yeah. <laughs> But, well, Max, yeah, they like to drag teams in the mud. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, well, this week they'll be uh, dragging them through the snow, it seems. Uh, Max, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us, man. we got to hit a quick break, uh, but we really appreciate your time, and best of luck this weekend. Yeah, I'll see you all next week. All right. All right, and when we come back, we will be talking about Russell Wilson's future with the Broncos. Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865-966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. When it's past high noon, it's time for a vodka soda made with a vodka you've actually heard of. I'm talking White Claw vodka soda made with White Claw premium vodka. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. And you can too. Pick you up a bottle of the triple wave filtered vodka that's been distilled five times. White Claw premium vodka comes in four flavors. Black cherry, mango, pineapple, and just vodka. You haven't had vodka like this. No one has. White Claw Premium Vodka. Please drink responsibly. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. 
As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. final segment of our number two here on a Thursday night of overtime. Thank you so much for joining us. And we've got someone on the line and it's Joel. What up, Joel? Hey, what's up guys? Thanks for taking the call. Of course. Uh, wanted, to, wanted to keep it going with the NFL playoffs. I feel like there's a game that's not getting talked about enough or maybe there's a good reason it's a bit of a gross game. But the Eagles game, yeah. uh, Monday night, I just wanted to get your, you guys' insight on what this Eagles team has turned into, I mean, a month ago or maybe a little over it, they were like 30-2 and two in their last 32 games. They just didn't lose. Yeah. And, I mean, it couldn't be more opposite. Uh, are the Eagles in trouble in this week? And then you think going into next year, I mean, is Sirianni the guy? Is Hurts? I mean, Hurts has been more bad than he's been good in his career. I just wanted to get y'all's uh, opinion. Yeah, what an interesting year for Philadelphia. Last year, they were on top of the world in the Super Bowl. Looked like they'd be a a, a force to reckon with with uh, for a couple of years to come with how young that core is there. And then, you know, 10, 12 weeks into the season, they were right on pace to be right back where they want to be. And over the last month and a half, this has been one of the most ridiculous turnarounds I've ever seen in, in NFL football. Um, they were, you know... 10th top 10 and and defensive and offensive DVOA six weeks ago and now they can barely even manage to stay in the game with the Giants at home uh it's it's a ridiculous turnaround and the problem is they don't know they don't have an identity offensively and they're still trying to figure that out and it's ridiculous because they've got such a loaded offensive roster a hall of fame level offensive line led by Jason Kelsey and Mulata you have Jalen Hurts who last year Looked like maybe was going to be a, a consistent top 10 quarterback in the league. He's taken a really big step back this year. But then you still have A.J. Brown. You still have Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, DeAndre Swift. What an acquisition he was. And all of a sudden, this team doesn't even look like they're, uh, you know, doesn't even look like they should be even sniffing the playoffs. And I think that starts at the top, and we talked a little bit about it yesterday. The fact that, you know, is this a fireable offense for Nick Sirianni? And they got rid of Doug Peterson for a lot less. The guy won a Super Bowl. Um, and I know Sirianni went to there last year. But uh, the effort and the just the, they look lackadaisical, out of sorts, like they just don't want to play. And it's ridiculous this late in the season. I've never seen a team struggling to find their identity going into the playoffs. And their defense is a whole other story. We could go on for another 10 minutes about that. But – I think all in all, it depends on what Eagles team shows up this week. Dawson, Jace, what do you guys well, have to say? I mean, they're shaky at best, right, yeah. over yeah. the past few weeks. Now, I think they do get a little bit lucky with their draw in the wild card round with, with Tampa Bay. I don't think 
I, I don't think they're going to struggle as much as they would if they would have had were to have to travel to Detroit yeah. uh, in the first round potentially. Uh, you know, they they get a little bit of a luck at the draw, so maybe you get a playoff win. Maybe you figure it out this week. I don't know uh, if they do. Okay, then your confidence is back. If they look like the team of the first eleven weeks of the season, if they don't, especially if they were to go to Tampa Bay and lose. I mean, then you start a whole another doubt about this team, the system. Nick Sirianni is the coach. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. There's a lot hinging on this weekend for Philadelphia after the season they've had. Oh, yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like whenever their like, security guy or whatever, their head security guy got thrown out, it kind of feels <laughs> like that. video just, that was. Oh, yeah, way. that was crazy. That just kind of felt like the start of that snowball effect. And, I mean, over these last six weeks, besides the pulling it out late against the Giants like three weeks ago, they haven't – looked anything close to a playoff team like you said William I mean it it start it really did start against the Bills the last like solid win that they had in overtime uh at their home place I mean 37-34 and OT scraping by and then you drop two 20 point losses back to back you let up 35 at home to the Cardinals I mean this team is scrambling to find an answer and you know right now with the team, like you said, uh, winning, going thirty and two for however long that was before hitting this skid, uh, you know, and then coming straight to this one and five in your last six, it does kind of feel like a fireable offense. I mean, Patricia's not doing his thing like we've seen him, Mm-mm, his no. ability to do. Uh, and, you know, they're getting lucky that, you know, Baker's kind of banged up right now. Yeah. And Baker's kind of been their saving grace. So, I mean, they really caught the luck of the draw. Yeah, and Joel, I want to hit on one more thing real quick. Um, so you talk about if they win next week, what that entails. And that's a trip to Dallas where I don't think the Eagles can survive, even if they somehow figure out against a guy that's about to be selling insurance in two years in Baker Mayfield this weekend. Um <laughs> They've got to travel to Dallas, and that's a place where, A, they've not had a lot of success, and, B, where the Cowboys have had a lot of success. And I, I, I think that's a terrible matchup for them, especially with them trying to piece together what this team is. So, um, you know, you asked about going forward. I, I think the Eagles right now have uh, two weeks left in their season. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, you, you look at the line against Tampa, it's three, and now it's getting down to two and a half on some books. I mean, this is going to be a close game which is just a little sad for the most part because Tampa, I mean, they're okay, but they're obviously not world beaters. No. I think a lot of this, though, is Sirianni, and it goes even further back before Buffalo. You think about that Chiefs game. I mean, on top of everything, Sirianni looks like a he's just a dork the way he acts <laughs> and the way he was talking to those fans. I mean, ever since he was talking trash in the tunnel to Kansas City, it's been downhill, and then I think it certainly doesn't help his case that you see Steichen just, absolutely crushing with Indianapolis yeah. for no reason whatsoever. That roster's horrible. Yeah. And then, I mean, you got to give Gannon some time, but he looks like he has some potential if you just listen to what he has to say. The Cardinals play, they play hard every week, so I think there's some potential there. But, yeah, like you said with Peterson, I mean, they do want a Super Bowl and was canned in two years. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles are just in complete turmoil. I wouldn't be shocked if they try to look somewhere else potentially after this year. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just it's shocking. It really is. And you talk about that Kansas City game. You know him having a parade in the in the tunnel after. But I also thought when they played uh, the Cowboys after they made the Kevin Byard acquisition, 
I saw something in that game where I was like, okay, this is not the same Eagles defense, at least. Because I thought the defensive problems started, and then the offense has kind of snowballed as a result of the defense not being able to get any stops. And in that game, CeeDee Lamb just ate up that, that Eagles secondary. And I was like, okay, maybe the Eagles secondary and maybe defense as a whole has some holes in it. And yeah. now we've seen over the last, what was it, eight weeks, nine weeks ago when they played the Cowboys mm-hmm. – um, and that the game at when they played at Philadelphia when they got fired, um, but it's been worse and worse. And, and you mentioned a little bit defensively, they've got pass rushers playing pass cover. Uh, yeah, pass rushers playing pass coverage, and it's a, yeah. a very weird dynamic for Matt Patricia, who is supposed to be the kind of savior to, to save this defense. A couple weeks ago, when they when they made him defensive coordinator, they can't figure out what's going on, and they don't know what's going on. Inside, and and that's why they're still struggling because they don't know what's going on, and I don't know how you figure that out in a playoff game. Granted, the Buccaneers aren't great, kind of outdated roster, but they've got some veterans that know how to play. Uh, Baker Mayfield, we'll see which version we get out of him because you know three weeks ago he had the best game of his career, and then uh, the last two weeks he's put up some clunkers. So they get a good draw with with Tampa Bay this week, mm-hmm. but I don't see how they advance going forward, and I think. Uh, Sirianni, if they lose to the Cowboys, especially in an embarrassing fashion, uh, I'd be very surprised they kept him around. Yeah, I mean, this is why the NFL is great. A month and a half ago, you thought we saw a dynasty, and now we don't know if we're going to have to have the, to fire the coach and just blow the whole thing up. Yeah, do do you blame Jalen Hurts at all for, for this year? I, I think um, he's someone that's kind of being protected a little bit because he's very well-liked and obviously had a really good year last year, but – um, when, when people start getting mad about the Eagles, I hear Nick Sirianni's name, I hear the defense, I don't really hear Jalen Hurts, but he's had a really vanilla year. What, 23 touchdowns to 15 inters, or fifteen turnovers, something, yeah, something like that? Like that. Yeah. yeah, which is very That's vanilla. Right, yeah. It's not been good. I'll give him the benefit. I mean, I think mobility is a big part of his game, and he's had that knee issue. He looked a yeah. little bit better the last few weeks running. Uh, but, yeah, he seems like – I don't know. I feel like if you've got a good defense and you can scheme against him where you take away his first read and then obviously him being a little hurt, uh, he just seems like someone that you could you can kind of shut down if he's got the right set of defense. I mean, the Niners just completely destroyed him. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. He might just be a little limited as a passer. If he can't run, then, you know, he's got some serious issues. Maybe next year if he's fully healthy, he gets back to, you know, what we saw last year. But uh, I would just say probably limited, and I think Philly's probably a little bit aware of that as well. Yeah, I think one thing that made him so good last year was running with purpose. And this year it's been yeah. more so uh, running to evade pressure or running to try and get a couple yards and he'll slide down or make some uh, – it just doesn't look like he wants to run. Like he looks a little uncomfortable. Right. So I think definitely the injury has played into it. But, um, you know, his play compared to last year where he was at a time, you know, one of the MVP uh, candidates, you know, floated around that level – and now he's kind of taken a little bit of a step back. So, uh, uh, very interesting to see where the Eagles, how the Eagles do this weekend and where they go going forward. But, Joel, we're running out of time here. Thank you so much for calling in, though. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. And that's going to end it for overtime here on this Thursday night. So much great content. Make sure to follow on SoundCloud if you missed any of our first hour or hour number two. We'll be back tomorrow on Friday for more overtime.